Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. I love to read and, and write about baseball, but the research part of it is a little more difficult to get to that point to write and read. When I'm online, I can find different subjects, and I love to know about the history, the foundation, the very early traditions of baseball that contributed to what we have today, because it's evolved over a long period of time into today's game, both at the major league and minor league level, the amateur and college level, and even the vintage baseball leagues that are around the country today. We have a robust league here in Tennessee, the Tennessee Vintage Baseball Association, which is just great. They play by 1864 rules. And that's kind of what I want to talk about, that era, because I have found, I've always been interested even the foundations of baseball from England. You can find things like rounders, a game of rounders, or one-eyed cat or three-eyed cat, which developed into what we know today as baseball. So when you find little nuggets, it's kind of neat to kind of key in on those. And a few weeks ago, my podcast was entitled Civil War Era, Where's That Letter to Mama? Where I got a little whimsical, I I still think somewhere somebody is going to come across a document, a tattered letter that was written to Mama or maybe Daddy and talked about a baseball game that was played between the Yankees and the Johnny Rebs. And I talk about that in that little letter that I wrote that, once again, is whimsical. It was strictly fiction. But it's possible. There are a few instances where a letter has been found that talked about how the battles were fought or how the prisons were, how hard it was to march, things like that. The next time I wrote my podcast was Yankees Invade Nashville, and I had a few people write me and say, you know, the Yankees invaded Nashville? Well, yeah, I was talking about the New York Yankees, but I guess that's another little whimsical thing, too. But today I want to go back to that Civil War era because there are some hard evidence about baseball being played at the Civil War because a baseball was found in the 19th century at the site of the Battle of Shiloh, which is often known as the Battle of Pickwick Landing. That took place in 1862 in Shiloh, Tennessee, at the site of one of the Civil War's bloodiest battles, nearly 10,700 Confederate soldiers and more than 13,000 Union soldiers died in the battle, fought April the 6th and 7th, 1862. Now, this baseball has an inscription on it now. I'm not sure where that is. They were talking about putting it in in some kind of a museum years ago, but I don't know where that is now. But the ball is inscribed with this phrase, picked up on the battlefield, for the Union Army as an orderly before enlisting as a soldier in the 69th Colored Infantry. Well, the 69th United States Colored Infantry was recruited around Pine Bluff and Duvall's Bluff, Arkansas, and spent its enlistment serving in eastern Arkansas. This ball is a lemon peel ball. It's a ball similar to the ones that the Tennessee Vintage Baseball Association, the Vintage Baseball people play In fact, a few weeks ago, it's not the first time, but they actually played a couple of games at the shallow site. But it's softer and looser than baseballs today, stitched with a twine in a figure eight pattern. It's a different baseball than we're used to today in modern days. Now, this baseball, no one knows if its former owner wore blue or gray, or if he was one of the 23,000 Americans who were killed or wounded during those two days of hell. 
the human toll being the greatest of any war on the American continent up to that date. But would it not be a great find to know which soldier took a baseball with him to have should time allow for a game of baseball in camp between marches and battles? And if there was one, maybe there weren't any more that were found, but there had to be others that enjoyed the game of baseball too. You know, you can only imagine the enthusiasm soldiers would have had in playing a game. With other soldiers and civilians watching alongside a game being played while they're hooting and hollering along with the players and maybe betting on winners and losers. And I mean both sides, too. Before and after Shiloh, baseball was a common pastime among Civil War soldiers on both sides sometimes uniting Confederate and Union soldiers who would rather have been playing ball than fighting one another. Prisoners of war sometimes formed teams and played their captors. If you can believe that, it happened, both on the north and the south side. Now, according to the Baseball Almanac website, in 1861, at the start of the war, an amateur team made up of members of the 71st New York Infantry Regiment defeated the Washington Nationals Baseball Club by a score of 41-13. to It was not unusual to have high-scoring games in those days. When the 71st New York later returned to man the defenses of Washington in 1862, those teams played a rematch, which the Nationals won 28-13. to Unfortunately, the victory came in part because some of the 71st's best athletes had been killed at Bull Run, only weeks after their first game. And the Almanac adds, one of the best attended sporting events of the entire 19th century was a baseball game played on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina on Christmas Day, 1862. That was eight months after the Battle of Shiloh. So there we have instances of games being played in or on or about the beginning of the Civil War. Now, members of the 165th New York Volunteer Regiment played a game against a team composed of men selected from other Yankee regiments as more than 40,000 troops looked on. Now, that number has been in question over time, whether there were room for 40,000 troops to watch a ball game, but maybe that was the report from the day. Future National League President Abraham G. Mills, then a member of the 5th New York Infantry Regiment, was among the game's participants. Now, Abraham G. Mills headed up the Mills Commission, which was sanctioned to find the person who invented the game of baseball, which they later named as Abner Doubleday, which we've later found out that he had nothing to do with it. He was at Fort Sumter with the Union Army when they say that it was possibly invented, the game of baseball was invented in Cooperstown during that time. So the shallow baseball has to be one of the many that were carried in a soldier's knapsack to provide for healthful exercise, or just to build camaraderie. But the Shiloh baseball is not the only one. Famous wartime baseball will be shown at banquet, reads the headline of a news clipping from the February the 18th, 1911 edition of the Los Angeles Express. Continuing on to say, members of Loyal Legion will fondle the old sphere and hear story of the part it took in the Army sport during the stirring days of 64. And the article's text tells the story best. Captain France was a member of the 17th New York Zouaves, who were attached to the 16th Corps under the command of N.S. Granger. There were a number of good ball players in the 17th, 
And when in May 64, the Corps was encamped in Decatur, Alabama, listen to this, the baseball enthusiasts conceived the plan of sending to Nashville, 130 miles north, for a ball and bat. 1864, baseball was being played in Nashville because some store had a ball and bat for sale or balls and bats, maybe uniforms, or an encampment here had a ball and bat that it was sent for to be used to play in 1864 in Decatur, Alabama. It goes on to say the plan was executed and many a hot game of baseball was played on the parade grounds. When the call for dress parade came and a game was in progress, it was customary for the man having the ball in his hand at the time to keep it until the next game was played. So going back to the Battle of Shiloh two years before, was that person who had that ball in his knapsack, maybe in his hand, and he was shot or hit by cannon fire? Had he been involved in a baseball game? All kinds of thoughts come to mind to try to explain that. We'll just never know. But that text goes on to say, when we're talking about the 1864 game, in this manner, the ball was carried on Sherman's march to the sea through the Atlanta campaign, its siege and capture, then through the Carolinas campaign to Raleigh, Richmond, and finally to Washington. And at Washington, while the soldiers were waiting to be mustered out, the last game of ball was played. When it was over, Lieutenant Barnett was walking off the field with Captain France. Here, France, he called and gave the ball an underhand toss into France's waiting hands. The Trail of the Providence picks up shortly after the printing of the newspaper article with an undated but clearly very old handwritten letter from Charles H. Peace, a captain with the 17th New York Veteran Volunteers who served with France. And he writes, This ball was used by the officers of the 17th New York at Decatur, Alabama in 1964 during the occupation by federal troops And when the 17th received marching orders to go to the front at Atlanta, Georgia, it was in possession of Captain James S. France, who kept it long after the war and finally gave it to my son, Harry France Peace, in 1915. The close relationship between these two former brothers-in-arms is apparent in the middle name of Peace's son, which is France. Now, once the war ended, baseball began to emerge from the ashes of the war. Exercise and camaraderie took on a new look as Yankees and Johnny Reb turned in their tattered blues and grays for dapper uniforms of baseball teams. Although baseball was well-established in New York by the time of the Civil War, with the war's end, surviving troops returned to their hometowns, shared the game, and they helped spread baseball's popularity. So Nashville has a long baseball history tied to the Civil War, but we don't know all the stories, and who knows what's going to come out one day that's going to give us those missing pieces, whether it be a letter to Mama or another shallow baseball or a piece baseball. We'll just have to wait and see on those things. I may not live to see it, but it's going to turn up one day. Well, thanks for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed this segment of Nashville Baseball and Skip's Corner. I've got some exciting things coming. My producer, David Nipper, just does a wonderful job. And we've been working on a project that we think over the weeks ahead, you're really going to enjoy as we give a personal touch to this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in, and I hope you'll join me again soon. Thank you.